Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast with a really fun, I'm so interested in this, with a really fun conversation with two people, literally from the other side of the world. I am talking with Lucy Clark and George Henderson, who just set respective FKTs on the amazing Terra Aurora Trail in New Zealand. Welcome, Lucy, and welcome, George. Thanks, Buzz. G'day, thanks for having me. Okay, good day. Well, <laughs> I wasn't going to say where <laughs> you're from. <laughs> I guess I don't have to say that you're from Australia, do I? <laughs> but you're from uh, Victoria, uh, which is in the south. It's the capital. It's the capital of the whole country. And you're currently talking to us from the South Island, South Island in New Zealand, Wanaka. And George, I believe you're in Wellington, which is the south yep. of the North Island. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. And, and keen listeners could observe that you're Kiwi and she's Aussie, but we'll just <laughs> give it away uh, for those not familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll still, so the, we'll still be friends. There's normally a rivalry yeah, exactly. between uh, Aussie, but for this podcast, yeah. we'll cause it a truce. Oh, yeah, truce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're not playing rugby. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah we don't want to talk about the rugby. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that'd be different. If we bring that up, uh, okay, well, we better just yeah. leave that one alone. We'll, we'll yeah, go leave back. Alone, Buzz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back to this incredible route that wasn't created until 2011. And the Te just goes the entire length of the country of New Zealand, from Cape Ringa in the far tip of the north, all the way down past Invercargill in the south, both islands. And we'll, we'll get into the route in a second. But right now, let's just note that, Lucy, you did this trip in 66 plus days and mm -hmm. finished it on January 16th. And George, you did it in a very fast 49 and a half days and finished it four days later so that you two were, this was just coincidence. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. it was. So I, um, I actually planned to do the trail, uh, not this summer that just gone, but the one before, but we ended up buying a house and, and moving. And so, you know, life got in the way. So we kind of decided that we'd do it this summer. And, um, I had been talking to Mina Holder who, had the FKT before me and she actually knows George um, and George had been talking to her and she mentioned to me, oh, there's someone else that's running the trail um, this summer. So that's how I found out about George. Yeah. And Same it, for um, you, George? Yeah, pretty much. I, sort of the idea came upon me early last year, so pretty recent. And yeah, I was actually in the Department of Conservation um, shop looking at maps for the trail. And I was talking to the staff member there and Mina Holder overheard me talking about the TRO trail and she just sort of lit up and um, we just had a really good chat and went to lunch. And that's how I met Mina and then was put in touch with Lucy through her. And it, yeah, it was just coincidence, but it worked out really well for me because Lucy was sort of always a little bit ahead and really good with uh, updates on the trail and what she was mm. up to. So I sort of got a sneak peek of what was ahead, which was uh, really quite but, helpful for my planning. I was basically the, the test dummy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, for him. <laughs> yeah, which is really appreciated. What? Yeah. Great story. It's a small world. Mina Holder yeah. was a female 
FKT from 2015, yeah. and you just ran into her by coincidence. That's exactly. really funny. It's funny because I was, I was looking at her website the day prior, and it said she was living on a, a canal boat in the UK. It hadn't been updated. So, and I was looking at her website thinking, oh, she's got a really cool approach to ultra running and these sorts of things. And then the next day, I like just randomly bump into her in Wellington. And I thought she was on the other side of the world. So it was just, it was quite strange how it all worked out in that sense, which is really cool. Wonderful. Small community. Mm. Yeah. And then Lucy got the head start, so to speak. And Lucy, we were tracking your progress here on the website. You did excellent updates. And I'll note right now for our listeners in our written show notes, we're going to have links uh, that will provide information on your trip reports. Anything you publish, we'll try to put it in our written show notes so people can go there and read that if you want them to. And George, you mentioned that her notes were so good, you could see the washouts, you could see the closures, you could yeah. see what was coming. Exactly. Yeah. I actually got in touch with Lucy when she was down south um, about a particular section that other hikers had mentioned was quite tricky and had been advised to take another route. Um, and then it was really helpful getting in touch with Lucy and getting her thoughts and what she did. So it was, it was um, things like that. It was really good. I also warned him about an upcoming section, which was the worst yeah. <laughs> yeah. section of the entire trail because it yeah. wasn't actually a trail. It was just walking through grass as high as your head, yeah. boggy yeah. sections where you'd just be walking and then suddenly you'd be thigh deep in water the yeah. markings were very far apart, um, so he got a bit of a heads up on that one that was coming yeah. out. Psychologically, wow. that was great. That was really good. Because um, you look at it on the chart and you're like, oh, yeah, that could take, you know, like a couple of hours or less. But um, it was good to have the heads up because I was like, oh, no, Lucy. Lucy said it was really slow, so I can psychologically prepare myself for that, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's terrific to hear. Now, here's a few aspects, of course. We're in uh, the States. Now, New Zealand for us is like the frontier that we lost. You know, so we – the Yanks, us Yanks just love New Zealand. We idolize it. We romanticize about it a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Lucy, do, do Aussies think the same way or is it just, ah, it's that – those all blacks, you know, we don't like them. Uh, I mean, we do think that – you know, we don't like the All Blacks, but we do, I mean, for us, New Zealand is sort of like this mountainous playground. So mm. a lot of Aussies go there for holidays, particularly the South Island, because you've got like Queen Santa Monica, you've got amazing mountains there. So um, a lot of us, particularly those that are interested in the mountains and love being outdoors and adventure, New Zealand is like a, a hot spot for us to go on to for holidays. So... I think that's true for everyone all over the world, isn't it? Yeah. And it's so <laughs> easy from Australia to go over there. You can get flights pretty cheaply as well. So it's kind of a nice little easy holiday for us. You know, it's a couple well, of let's hours talk about the, there. Good. Let's talk about the Te Aurora because it's also different from our perspective. I'll just give you my thoughts. You correct me as you may or may not. They tend to work minimally on the trail itself. If if you just kind of go off into the bush or into the bog, that's okay. They're not going to put a lot of effort into it. But unlike the States, they have huts. They're really into huts. There are literally more mountain huts 
in the country of New Zealand than in all of the United States put together. <clears throat> and the country of New Zealand is the same size geographically as my state of Colorado. So yeah. is it true that the Te Aurora had really good huts and I should say really friendly people, but the trail itself was kind of go at your own risk? I would say it really depends on what part of the trail. So there are some sections that are awesomely marked and beautiful manicured sections. For example, the Queen Charlotte track, because mm. that's a very popular day hike or section hike that people would do. Um, but then there would be other sections which are more remote and, and therefore, you know, not as big of a tourist um, destination or you don't get a lot of hikers on it. And those tend to be a little rougher and you kind of got to figure your way around and you can get lost quite easily. Um, so yeah, I think it kind of depends on what section. I think, uh, in the South Island, um, you know, you go through the Richmond Ranges and Nelson Lakes, which are very mountainous and the harder sections, they were pretty well marked because a lot of people go in there and hike. Um, it's more some of the sections, uh, in the North Island, actually, I found a little bit harder with markings um, because I guess they don't get as many tourists. Um, and then in terms of the huts, really varies. Again, some were fantastic, like, you know, running water, flushing toilets, amazing. But then uh, there were some huts I stayed in which were literally like mice mansions where you wake up and they're in your bags or they're running across you and there's no water and the the yeah. um, long drop toilet is full, so yeah. it was, some of them are pretty primitive. It's funny how you um, pass a really nice hut that might have been built a few years ago, um, and then yeah. you're like, oh, that would be a nice one to stay at, and the one you're planning on staying at is definitely the opposite end of the spectrum. And you're yes. like, oh, man, I should have just stopped 10K <laughs> earlier, eh? But, but, uh, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's um I had that a few times. I was like, Oh, that one looks so nice and warm yeah. and then I go to one that's like renowned yeah. as the worst one on the track. But I'm like, Well, it means it's in my schedule. Yeah. Just gotta suck it yeah. up. They keep you well, safe. You both you both did it supported. So you still yeah. stayed at huts. Is uh, mm. for example on the Appalachian Trail, which is in the eastern half of the United States, a supported mm track on that, you're going to stay in the van every night, but uh, Te Aurora is, is too remote, as too, some sections are too long to manage that. So you, what percentage did you stay at Hutch, and what percentage did your crew meet you and take you somewhere? So, so I... You go. You go, George. Um, so, sorry, I was, I was sort of the North Island, I stayed in one hut, and then the rest of the time was in the support vehicle. Um, and then the South Island, I think I stayed in about seven huts, um, which is actually not that many. My sort of philosophy mm. that I tried to stick to was if I could, I'd just go through those big backcountry sections as fast as possible, um, sometimes just a day trip because that meant I could take less gear if I just committed to actually going through it in one go um, so I didn't have to take overnight sleeping gear and that sort of thing, cooking gear. Mm. And um, I'd also probably get a slightly better night's sleep in the uh, support vehicle and and also slightly better food. You didn't have to eat the sort of dehydrated meals. Um, so I sort of tried, even though the huts are amazing um, and they're really cool for adventure, I think, for doing this sort of thing, I, I sort of found minimising the hut stays was probably more beneficial. 
Um, but yeah, so there are certain sections, particularly in the north part of the South Island where staying in huts is just pretty much unavoidable. So, um, stayed in huts then, but same with you, Lucy. Yeah. So I stayed in, I think it was 15 huts. Um, cause obviously I was not covering as much distance as George. I think I probably could have cut it down by a few, but it just, yeah, just mm. with the schedule we had ended up being 15. And I, I mean, I definitely slept a lot better in the van. Didn't really sleep very well in the huts, but I mean, you kind of mm. just end up sucking it up and just yeah. get on with it really. <laughs> yeah, I had, um, but I had the worst the worst night I had was where I hiked in um one it was actually uh New Year's Eve and I hiked yeah. in and I stayed in this little like literally a tin shed by <laughs> myself. There was no one else there. So I rocked up at the hut at like eight o'clock at night and I was like, Great, sat down. I don't carry a cooker with me because for weight. So I had my oh, yeah. salami and cheese wraps, which were cold, yeah. sat there, ate them, kind of <laughs> just sitting there by myself. And I was like, right, suppose I go to bed. And I got, I slept really terribly, but then I got woken up in the middle of the night by a possum rattling around on the roof. And I think I got probably got about three hours sleep and I woke up at five in the morning and I just packed up my stuff and got the hell out of there. I was like, get yeah. me back to the van. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it keeps you moving forward, eh? getting back to the van, you know, like. Yeah, gonna, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. New Year's Eve for me, I um, I was in the Richmond Ranges and it was quite a popular time both for Tiaroa hikers and sort of Kiwis going out for holiday hiking trips. But um, we actually had to sleep outside because it was so full. There was no room oh. even on the floor. So luckily I had like, yeah, quite right. a lightweight sleeping mattress and my uncle was running with me in that section. Um. And he, um, yeah, we just slept outside. Lucky it was a nice night, but yeah, we didn't get that much sleep that one either. So it's good to know we we're both sort of having a similar New Year's Eve experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In other words, a crap New Year's Eve experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, our co-founder, Peter Backman, and his wife, Stephanie Arutt, uh, through hiked the South Island section. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They skipped the North and um, they were doing it self-supported no crew but i think they were met and they were they tell the story with such fondness they were met i think on christmas eve and taken to someone's house you know for you know cake and biscuits you know so they just they just loved the trip they loved the country Mm. yeah what advice would you give other people listening so um we're in the States. People listen to this from Europe and Asia and elsewhere. Do you recommend people come and do the sec a section, do the whole thing, come, don't come? For example, you mentioned Queen Charlotte track. I did that three years ago, and it's – I don't want to overcrowd your, your country there, George, <laughs> but it's really good. So yeah. what, what comments do you two have about this route? I would say it is so varied. Um, I knew it was going to be, but I think it, I was still quite surprised um, the different type of terrain you'd get. And even between the North and the South Island, like the North Island seems like it's super flat compared to the mm. South Island. And um, it's uh, got a lot, the North Island's kind of got a lot more road sections and farmland. Meanwhile, the South Island is more mountainous. 
Um, I mean, I loved it. I love the fact that I got to see New Zealand, but I also got to see a side of New Zealand that not many people get to see. And you go through smaller little towns and villages where all there is is like one kind of like dairy or like a milk bar which sells burgers and that's the, that's the entire town. So it's really unique to see the different sides of New Zealand, not just, say, Queenstown or Arrowtown, which are the big popular tourist destinations. If I was to recommend a section, I would say um, do the South Island. I enjoyed that more because mountains, views, and particularly doing sort of from – the start of the Queen Charlotte track through to end of Nelson Lakes where you are going through the biggest mountain areas, but some of the views are amazing. Um, but my other favourite section was the Montetapu Ranges, which is between mm. Wanaka and Arrowtown. The views there are amazing. Um, it's a lot of elevation, but um, you walk basically along ridgelines pretty much the whole way um, and it's just it's absolutely stunning, and the huts there are really nice as well. Okay, yeah. George, what do you? What's your recommendation? Um, I'd recommend doing it. Um, the whole thing. Uh, if as a certain satisfaction, personally, I get out of doing the whole the whole length of it. But you know, if that's not necessarily that might not be your thing. So you know, hitchhiking or organising some sort of transport around the bigger road sections is probably beneficial. Um, but the North Island, there's some amazing parts. I, I particularly like the Wanganui River, um, which, funnily enough, as a runner, it's not a running section. You're sort of in a kayak. But I, I just really enjoyed that. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, lucky when I did it, the river was actually flowing quite strong, so I felt like I could just sit in the boat and the river sort of did a fair bit of the work. I managed to do quite a few Ks on that day. But, um, yeah, so yeah, I definitely recommend doing it. It's amazing. Even as a Kiwi, um, I really just got a new appreciation for my own country, um, which is really cool. And well, it's diverse. It's, it's diverse. Yeah. So when you're up there at the Cape Ringa, you're in the tropics. And then when yeah. you get down to the south, you're not even close. Yeah, exactly. You're like in one trip, you're sort of on a, yeah, sort of semi tropical beach or a tropical beach. And then you know, later in the trip, you're up around snow on some massive mountain pass down south. So it's just incredibly diverse, which is cool. Um, yeah. And advice, I just, for me, I, I invested a bit of money in some good gear. So some of the sections down south mm. particularly, you want good gear just in case the weather does turn a little bit, um, you know, gets a little bit bad weather-wise. And then you want to be able to trust in your gear and have, you know, just go, go cautiously. Um, you know, it's sort of, I felt like, oh, this could be quite dicey if the weather wasn't against you. So having good gear helped sort of help me be confident, um, that I could get through and survive. Um, and also if you'd want to do it really fast, as I mentioned earlier about sort of trying to minimize the hut stays. Um, but yeah, definitely recommend doing it. It's amazing. Okay, and good call on the good gear. I think people want to go light. Uh, but yeah. then there's what Andrew Skirka calls stupid light, where right. you're yeah. so light, you're on the rivet, mm. and if something happens, mm. you're in trouble. And if you're yeah. going for an FKT, that could just take you off the game because you have to just bail, or mm. it could put you into a survival situation. And for an yeah. extra you know, half a kilo, eh, bring the jacket, yeah. right? Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, you mentioned Dicey. 
Uh, let's let's get into that a little bit. So it's interesting history here. Jez Bragg from the UK did this back in 2013, also supported, mm. and he kayaked the Cook Strait, <laughs> which is like <laughs> really because yeah. I've uh, I've taken the ferry across the Cook Strait. Of course, <laughs> between the north and the south, uh, Wellington actually where you live, and I think I've mm. almost gotten seasick in the. Uh, 80 foot long ferry. So kayaking yeah. the Cook Strait was was an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Like, yeah, I am. Um, yeah. Living in Wellington, sort of looking at the Cook Strait most days. And yeah, you you want to get the timing right with the weather. Um, there's uh, in the summer, you could, yeah, you know, it's a lot more chance of being able to do it. But I think, you know, it's it's sort of it's probably one or two days a week there would be a good weather window to kayak across Cook Strait. So I think it was really ambitious and amazing that he did it. And I thought about it in the early stages of my planning and then just put it in the too hard basket. Um, right. So I, it's, it's just incredible that he did that and definitely take my hat off to him for it. Nice. Well, I, how... I never even considered doing it because I am not a kayaker. <laughs> doing the Wanganui River where I I, well, I think the total distance over the three days was 80 k's of kayaking and my little pencil arms were wrecked by the end of it. I was like, get me out of this boat. I want to run. I do not want to yeah. kayak anymore. Yeah. It's okay. actually quite sore sitting in a kayak because you, you think, oh, yeah, I'll have a couple of days giving my legs a rest, but oh, you just sort of fidget around and it's really uncomfortable. Mm. I, I just stop yeah, every hour and yeah. a half just to get out and stretch. and Yeah, yeah, I was the same. Like my bum just kept going to <laughs> sleep from just sitting there in the same spot the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's something yeah, good quite, to call out. quite a relaxing trip. That's something what people mm. should know about the Te Aurora. You have, it's a semi-multi-sport. So on yeah. route is the Wamanui River, which – well, I did it in a stand-up paddleboard, so I didn't get a sore wow. bomb. That was a little oh, easier. <laughs> if I'd known that was an option, I should have done that. <laughs> well, I, I worked on renting the thing for hours, so it was sort of annoying. But it, it, yeah. it did work out in the end. But then when you get down yeah. to the South Island, there's all sorts of semi-blank spots on the map, mm-hmm. you know, past mm-hmm. Lake Coleridge. And, um, of course, there's... Mm-hmm. Out of Queenstown, you go across the lake. Did you two take the same methods there, or how did how did you do these different blanks, these water crossings, if you will? Yeah. yeah. So I, for me, because I had a van with me, I was able to get driven around. Um, yeah, there was no. I, I didn't really have any other option. I wasn't going to kayak or swim across it or anything like that. So my support guys just drove me around those sections. Gotcha. Yeah. How about you, George? Um, similar, but, uh, so my, one of my support crew members was my dad and he, he's just in his element with planning and we weren't too sure if there's heavy rain, some of those roads can sort of get washed out a wee bit. And, um, there's commercial operators that do those transfers and know those roads better. So we Mm. just sort of organized a pick up and drop off with, um, commercial operators that did that as well, which they do for the lots of the other TA hikers. So. We just weren't too sure what the weather was going to be doing. So to ensure we could get around without many delays, we sort of went down that road, but pretty similar method. That 
That was probably a smart idea, George, because there were a few of those roads that we were driving down in our camper yeah. van and there's little fords or like water yeah. rushing across the, the yeah. uh, road. And so we'd stop and my husband would walk out and try and figure yeah. out how deep it was and move rocks out of the way. Yeah. And then we'd kind yeah. of go through it with our fingers crossed that it was going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a little bit stressful. Yeah, exactly. So it's still an adventure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. Well, what about uh, any real problems? Is there something that, well, actually, I'll reverse that. Is there any something mm -hmm. that was really a problem that you thought you might not make it? Or I'll reverse that, give it to your, your option or something that just stood out for you either. Why don't you go first, George? Um, well, yeah. So probably about a week and a half into it, just north of Auckland, I developed quite an issue with it was in my knee area, but it was the muscle just above my knee. Um, it just sort of stopped working. You know, you can sort of like tense those muscles and, um, you know, sort of activate them on my right side knee. It just wouldn't work and it was a lot of pain. And I was like, oh, man, this could really derail things. I never thought about quitting, but I thought this could really slow things down. Um, so we did a bit of problem solving and went to a physio in Auckland. Because I, um, there was a day where actually it, uh, I, I, um, called it quits earlier and stopped in Auckland. Lucky it was Auckland. So there was heaps of physios around. We did that and it sort of came right. I could, I could hobble through Auckland city, which was quite frustrating because it was quite a runnable section. And I was actually parts of it. I had my trekking poles through Auckland CBD, you know, just trying to get by. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this is good. This could be really bad. And then a couple of days later, um, we were towards Hamilton in a little town called Narawahia, um, just north of Hamilton. And my dad had a sore neck, so he just Googled a chiropractor, not chiropractor, um, osteopath um, people in Narawahia. And funnily enough, there was a guy who was available immediately to see him um, exactly on the trail, basically. And he, my dad talked to this guy about my issues and he said, oh yeah, yeah, when he finishes the day, he can come and see me. And I was, I was sort of like, I'm a bit skeptical about that stuff, but I was like, I'll try anything. And I went and saw this guy as a big married guy and, um, he seemed to instantly know what the issue was. And that confidence gave me confidence. And he said, oh, it's your sciatic nerve that runs down your back and then right down your leg. And if it's interrupted in your back generally, um, it'll cause issues further down in your leg. And I was like, okay. So he like really aggressively cracked my back. And I was just sitting on this table, like getting manipulated by this big fella. And then, uh, it kind of just came right after that. He said, oh, yeah, you'll be good to run the rest of the country from now. Um, and he was right. It, there was a lot of swelling and stuff. So it was a couple of days, but from then it came right. And then I don't know, about a week later, there was no issue at all. And then the second hard part I'll just briefly touch on was, um, I think the last week, cause I looked at, uh, south of Queenstown, elevation wise, it looks pretty, you know, it's not as, it's not as extreme as further north of the South Island. And I was like, once I get to Queenstown mentally, I was like, oh, the job's done, but it was far from done. And I sort of checked out a little bit and it was real hard to go through those big long days. Um, with the finish so close just to sort of grind it out. So that's where I found, you know, it was mentally quite, it was the toughest section for me. 
And then the second to last day and the last day was okay because you actually could think about the finish line. But those were probably my two biggest hurdles. Well, 49 and a half days, you're you're going to be thinking about the finish line, I would think. Yeah, yeah, just not too early because I was like, oh, so, you know. Um, yeah, I started thinking about it probably a good week before I finished, which maybe I should have just focused a bit more on the on the day itself and getting through the day and enjoying that. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I started thinking about the finish line, I think I actually wanted to be there so much. Um, but, but it was still quite far away, you know, a good 300 or so kilometers away. Um, so it was so close, but yet so far. So, but yeah. Right. Well, good one, George. And how about a high or low for you, Lucy? Yeah, so I... um. I'm a little bit different in that I actually found that my body was held up together really well throughout the entire trip. Like I didn't have any injuries. My only niggle was slightly sore um, plantar fascia on my right foot just towards the end, but it was nothing that I really had to worry about. Um, But the thing I really struggled with was actually it felt quite lonely on the trail at times. Um, and particularly like the first week was always going to be pretty tough because you're starting off, you don't have a rhythm, your body is adapting. And so I found, yeah, the first week really tough just because I was like running out there by myself all day. I was kind of stressing myself out a little bit about um, getting worried about, oh, I don't know what the trail is and am I going to get lost and um, kind of just felt a little bit overwhelmed by the whole situation, which then made it quite difficult for me to eat which then made me more stressed out so it was kind of a bit of a vicious cycle um and also particularly the first two days you pretty much you know first day I ran 70 k's on a beach and the next day was 30 k's on a beach and then 26 k on a road so it wasn't really the most inspiring start Mm. um but I found day eight my body seemed to have suddenly adapted a bit and I just had a really great day out um, and suddenly I was really starting to enjoy it. And then I had friends um, joining me from about day 23 when I got to the Timber Trail, which is um, sort of, I don't know what kilometre mark, oh, about the 1,000 kilometre mark. And so then I had yeah. um, a girlfriend over from Oz and then it just was like really, it was so much fun having company and having someone to share the experience and see the sights that you're seeing and, even the crappy parts, having someone there with you, you can kind of laugh about it. And it was, I just found it so much more enjoyable. Um, and so from then through the Richmond Ranges, um, which is the start of the South Island um, and Nelson Lakes, it was fantastic. But then I, my probably my lowest point would be um, Boxing Day, which we'd taken a day off on Christmas Day and we had a couple of other friends over from Oz. So we had Christmas Day together at the caravan park and it was great. And then Boxing Day I went out uh, by myself for three days and two nights in huts and there were also three river crossings and that was really stressful for me. I was, you know, I had my friends were leaving, I was by myself, it was a little bit drizzly and raining and I was um, had these river crossings which really played on my mind and to be honest those three days were quite a blur for me because I just put my head down and just like motored. I just wanted to get to the hut at night time. I just wanted to get the section over and done with. I didn't really take it in. Um, 
so that those three days were really really hard um but then thankfully after that um a few local runners joined me to do goat pass um which is you kind of follow up a river the whole way and there's big rocks and boulders that you jump on and it actually was really really fun and from then on um it kind of my mindset became a lot more positive and I started really enjoying myself. And um, it's interesting because, George, you mentioned the last 10 days or so was some of the hardest mm. for you, but actually I was the opposite. Yeah. They were the best <laughs> for me because um, yeah. I had like this entourage arrive from Australia and from my husband's um, family. Some of his siblings came over from the U.K., and so it was almost mm. like a little party for me. I had different people with me every day. I had people coming out and staying in huts with me. So, yeah, from basically Lake Tekapo to the end, was I had the best time. Just, yeah, it was great because different people were with me every day on the trail. And every night it was really upbeat and positive because there were so many people around me. That's an excellent description, both of you, and I love the contrasting styles where George had that issue, sciatic, nervous, terrible, you don't want that, but he got it taken care of in Auckland. And then Lucy, you had that by yourself and a woman by yourself most of the time. And you've yeah. once you found your stride, you were off to the races, and particularly at the end when you had the entourage, sort of a, not yeah. quite a party, but you were enjoying the social yeah. aspects of it. Yeah. And that's a big, big learning for me, I think, is mm. when I was training, I would happily go out for six hours by myself, but then I'd come home and see my friends or see my husband. When I was out on the trail and going out for six or eight or 10 hours by myself, then you're coming back to the van. And I did see my husband, but then, you know, the next day you've got to go out by yourself again. And I just found it mm. incredibly lonely. Um, but it's a big learning for me that, you know, these types of adventures for me are better shared with someone else, um, the good and the bad parts. Good call. All right. Mm -hmm. I like that. Well, I would encourage the listeners to go to the website, click on the map, is then they can see these blank spots, the road crossings that you all negotiated. And then you can read your trip reports. You both had really good trip reports. You could even click through and read Jez Bragg's trip report. He had a very, he was a sponsored athlete. So he had a very good blog report. So the Te Aurora, the long white cloud. And uh, particularly for people living up here in the northern half of the planet, it's very attractive. It's a good, big, long backpacking trip through hike or run that uh, we can aspire to do in our winter. Yeah, exactly. Go over, get a little bit of sun and probably get a little bit of rain as well. Um, <laughs> oh, well, there's a reason it's green. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's Hopefully a get a bit of green. sun. Well, what's yeah, next? Exactly. I'm going to ask you to. Okay, I always end with this. Lucy, what might be next for you? I don't know. Um, I have got lots of ideas rattling around in my brain. I have to admit, I did go onto the website and look up what the FKT for the Appalachian Trail was the other day. Um, and I did just watch Carl Meltzer's uh, documentary last night when he set the record. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what's, what's next. I'm probably going to wait a couple of months before I decide. We will go back to Oz, but, um, I am keen to do something else, I think, at some point. Um, I think, you know, I've always been a runner, but I feel like given how well my body 
handled this. I feel like maybe, you know, this is my sweet spot doing these multi-day types of uh, adventures and runs. So, yeah, I don't know, but I'm sure that, you know, there will be something that will pop up again sometime this year. Excellent. And, George, how about next for you? And, of course, sleep, eat, and drink would be an acceptable answer. (laughs) Yeah. I really enjoyed just going down the road, getting a cup of coffee from the local cafe this morning. eh? That was my my, uh, latest (laughs) big mission. But um, I'm the same as Lucy. I'll I'll let the dust settle a wee bit. Um, I think this year particularly I'm just going to enjoy, um, like, every mission – I think, well, I think I've got something big in me again. Um, but I think in the yeah. sort of medium, short-term future, every sort of mission is going to seem quite small compared to the one I've just done. So I'm actually going to quite enjoy that. Um, and visiting certain sections of the TRO trail that I really enjoyed, I think I'd like to go back there with friends um, and just maybe go a little bit slower and take it in a little bit more. Um, so I think just little mini missions um, over the next year or so and then maybe get inspired to do something a little bit more crazy uh, a little bit later on. But, yeah, I think the, the, what I learned from this TRO trip will be with me for forever, so I really feel like um, I'm eager to get out there in the outdoors and do some more crazy stuff at some point. So this was a really good uh, foundation for a future that could be quite cool. Indeed. And as you alluded to, uh, probably both of you, that could just be the daily run. Um, we, yeah. we all are blessed with a good life. We live in amazing parts of the world. And mm-hmm. so to get out there and go for a couple hours and come back and see your friends and family, that's that's good enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I am yeah. I'm looking forward to getting home and running on some of my local trails with um, yep. my run club and some of my friends and just doing it without the pressure of like, okay, got to get to this point by this time and then <laughs> shove a whole heap yeah. of food in my face and then go again. <laughs> yeah. I've got a local okay. run from my house. Well, there, there we go. We're going to put that. Lucy, you will yep. be moving quoted. Uh, we'll put you on the masthead <laughs> of FKT.com. Go shove a whole heap of food in my face and do it again. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's an eating competition. Yeah. Oh, you two are a total delight to talk with. Thank you so much for taking the time from the other side of the world. And maybe we'll get a chance to meet in person sometime. Sounds great. Yeah, great. Thanks so much, Buzz.